one thing that I've learned in my work as an executive coach is that the right question at the right time can make all the difference. And today we'll be talking about a single question that could make all the difference in your next chapter. It only consists of two words, but it could unlock something that may be missing from your retirement planning, and that's a sense of adventure. Welcome to a new conversation on the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Casey, and my guest today is Roberta Sawatsky. She's the author of What If? Finding New Adventures Through Life's Obstacles. She is a business owner, professor, and avid traveler with a special interest in leadership in remote and hybrid teams. Originally from Northern Ireland, travel has always been a major part of her life. Her experience of immigrating to Canada as a child would solidify her interest in cross-cultural contact, international travel, and immersion and assimilation. She recently took on an international research project into the characteristics of remote workers. When her husband was diagnosed with end-stage renal failure, and they were forced to adjust their plans for an extended European trip accordingly, she knew she wanted to share their story honestly and openly, providing a vulnerable and inspiring account of their trip. With tenacity and resilience, and perhaps a bit of old-fashioned Irish stubbornness, any challenge she insists can be met. Roberta joins us today from British Columbia. Roberta, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Joe. Thank you for having me. So I'll start with a question and a question about a question. There's tremendous power in asking the right question. How can people use the question you pose in the title of your book in thinking about their next chapter? Yeah, I love questions. In fact, when I was growing up, I'd always get into trouble because I asked too many questions. And I, I see with my grandkids that same, that same pattern. And so the book, What If It Is... The, the question itself is what plays and has always played a lot through my life. And then especially when we were going into this the stage of traveling overseas and with Rob, my husband's diagnosis, and everything that falls in on you immediately is, is the gloom and doom and, oh no, we can't do this anymore. We can't do this anymore. But to change the question and to put, well, what if? So in life, it's not when obstacles come along. Or it's not if obstacles come along, rather. It's when they come along. So being able to pose the question, what if, it helps you to reframe what it is that you're looking at. And so in the context of the title is Finding New Adventure Through Life's Obstacles, the first thing I want to acknowledge is that adventure isn't the same for everybody. And there is no cookie-cutter approach to how you approach life. But adventure is something that I think we, we really need. So if we can reframe the question, rather than saying, I can't do this or that because of whatever obstacles it is, is to perhaps consider, okay, this is the activity. This is what we want to do. What if we do it this way? Or what if we look at it this way? And it, it all of a sudden opens up a world of possibilities that rather than just an immediate shutdown, you're open to see what, what those opportunities might be. And you write in the book, what if, that often people see only a binary choice between deciding to continue to work or to retire. Tell us about the different mindset, the different choice toward retirement years that you see. I think traditionally, we've been raised that, okay, you hit 65 and 65 is the same as retirement, which is a horrible word. <laughs> it's, 
It's kind of become one of those buzzwords. Everybody understands it, so you use it. I recently heard from somebody else that she uses the term rewirement instead of retirement. And I really like that. But I think there's there's that mindset. 65, you retire and you drift off into whatever it is of all the relaxation and play that you want. You're finally free from all of the nine to five, everything that that you were involved with. For many people, there's not an option as to whether they're retired or not because of financial challenges. So some have, they've been able to save, they have pension plans available. And so they actually have an option whether they will retire or not. Many people don't. And so you feel like you're kind of caught in that quagmire. There's no other alternative. But what I'm hearing a lot more from my friends, things I'm reading about is it's not all of a sudden you hit this age, your late 50s into your 60s, and your only choice is, okay, it's time to leave the workplace. Because number one, finances aside, a lot of us aren't willing to hang our hat up and say, I've got nothing to offer. I mean, you're working in organizations, you're working with people, and it's almost like you finally reach the age where things kind of start making sense. And there's all of these generations of youth coming up behind us that you just want to pour into and build into, but you don't want to do it in a nine to five job. So you, you want to leave the workplace, but you don't want to leave the, the opportunity to continue being productive, to continue fulfilling a purpose, to continue contributing. And so again, if you use the question, say, okay, what if I find an alternative? So if finances are an issue, what if I work part-time? What if I moved into doing this? What if, and then you start, it's like, it's a beautiful, clear board of possibilities that you start being creative and innovative whenever you got rid of, I have to do this, and then start talking about it and figuring out what are the choices? Because for me, I don't think I can, I would ever get to the point where I say, I'm done with working. I just want to buy a nice, comfortable chair and sit out in the sun all day. That's not for me. <laughs> but it's a great point. There are other choices and you can create your own custom choice yes. by using that question. What if looking at the possibilities and, and thinking it through? So on the possibilities, you had the opportunity to experience, quote unquote, location independent working. That's mm-hmm. a great phrase. And put it to the test with an opportunity to do a research project that took you to Portugal and Spain for seven months or so. Mm -hmm. What's one key thing you learned academically and one key thing you learned personally? That is really hard to narrow down (laughs) when I was thinking about it. So first of all, looking at it for academics, I've been researching remote work probably for five or six years. I've been involved in remote work in some capacity all of my working years. So when you look at it academically and looking at what the competencies were, there were seven key competencies that come out of the research. And they're all outlined in the book. But one of the ones that really jumped out to me was practicing cultural competence. So I could have done the research from at home here in Canada. I mean, with all of the access to technology and everything, the world is so small. But what was really important to me was to have that lived experience, to actually be somewhere and to be working with people and doing all the research while away from the comforts of home, so to speak. So especially when we were in Spain, the cultural difference there was unbelievable. 
So it happened to totally line up that I was working and writing an exam for my global HR practitioner at the same time. And I was working through the chapters on culture. And we arrived in Spain in March, right in the middle of Fales. So Fales is this great big celebration of fires and bonfires and everything all over the place. And because we didn't want to be live like a tourist, we chose to, we were in Valencia, so we chose to lose in the cabin, live in the Cabanel area. It's not a tourist place and people do not speak English and we don't speak Spanish. And so immediately we're thrust into this situation where communication was impossible. So it was so exciting to go to a corner store that they called a supermarket. <laughs> and it was run by a family from India and they spoke English. So here we were speaking English with people who are also from another country and there was such comfort in it. But realizing and learning, you get out of your comfort zone and you're thrown into a totally different culture and you feel like an outsider. And that was, it was really, really difficult. It was really, really challenging. But we learned so much from that experience as the observer looking in rather than being part of something. So that was a huge thing for us. And you mentioned that you lived like locals, not tourists. Yeah. And in addition to that, your husband was traveling with a medical condition. Mm -hmm. And I noticed you wrote in your book that travel changes you. Yeah. How did this experience change you? Well, even going on it was a big deal. So we had started, I had been working on the plans for my extended study leave before Rob was diagnosed. And so it was in the middle of the planning that he found out that he had in-stage renal failure. So we had a choice right there and then. Do we cancel all of the plans that we had to go and do this living abroad and doing this experience? Because everything all of a sudden became different, difficult and different. And so rather than saying, no, we can't do it, we decided we will change the plans a little bit. The goal stayed the same. We still wanted to live overseas, but the plan and the way we did it was different. What if 2024 is the year you finally do it? Start moving toward your next chapter. Join 10 people who will be designing their futures by being intentional. It's our Design Your New Life and Retirement program, and it kicks off on January 25th. You'll find the link in the show notes that'll give you all the information you need. Register soon because it's limited to 10 participants. So getting used to living with this medical condition and then doing it overseas, well, you're dependent on each other. So while we're in Portugal, our son and his family are there. So we had some support from them. But as soon as we left Portugal into Spain, we were on our own. So you're learning about a medical system. All of the same things that you need to do at home, you still need to do, but without support. So we've been married for 45 years. We've got a great marriage. But when we got there, it was like the world around us disappeared. And we were face to face with working through the grief that comes with this kind of a diagnosis. And so you become each other's confidant, each other's support, and also the person that you take out all your anger and frustration on because you don't know anybody else around. And so we had to work it through. And we were doing it in a context that was unfamiliar, but we were doing it in the beauty of a place that was mind-blowing. For me, being by the ocean is my life support. And so 
you're having these powerful experiences while you're traveling. And so the emotional engagement, and we've done quite a bit of traveling and we know that no matter where you go, you bring a little bit back with you from that country and hopefully you leave something positive. And so when, when we came back home, we felt like we were, we really felt like we were leaving part of ourselves behind. And then coming back here, there's, there was a yearning that was still there. Like we, there's so much of being in Europe that we missed and so much of the, the struggles that you went through that you figured out. So it's like your, your heart is kind of straddled in two places. And I wouldn't want it to be any other way because if you're not learning and you're not bringing something with you, it's kind of like, why bother? Yeah. Plenty of learning opportunities, it sounds like. And travel itself always provides opportunities for new learning and, and lessons learned along the way. No, oh, definitely. If you had to do over again, if you had to do over again, what would you do differently from a travel point of view? We would have taken time and learned the language. We would have learned Spanish. <laughs> so we, I didn't do a lot of research. We knew a little bit about Portugal from the perspective of, of our, our son and family. And we had been to Lisbon and, and been there just a little bit. Spain, the only time I had been to Spain was when I was 11 and my family went to Ibiza. So this was a whole new experience. So I tell people we were going there. We chose the places based on the access for Rob to get medical help and support. So that's, that's how we narrowed down those places. And everybody told me, it's wonderful. You'll love it. It's fantastic. Nobody told me the challenges of English. So in Portugal, everywhere you went, people spoke English. In a lot of Spain, they do, but not where we decided to park. So we would have definitely taken more time to learn the language, learn more about their culture. So I've studied culture, I've looked at culture, but not as in-depth as I should have, knowing not even what's culturally acceptable, but how people interact, how they communicate different things like that. So that probably would have been the big thing. And for us, because Rob was having his dialysis solution delivered and his energy level is quite low, when we got to Spain, I had not clearly read VRBO description. We were on the fourth floor and there was no elevator. So all it said was not suitable for people with disabilities. So of course, in my mind, I'm thinking physical disabilities, I thought, we got no physical disability. That's, that's not an issue. <laughs> and so we learned to really check out all of the details of where you're staying and uh, kind of go in eyes wide open. It's always the fine print that gets us. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> so I was struck by your use of the word in your book, adventure, paired mm -hmm. with retirement. I think it's a very interesting possibility and combination. What advice would you offer people listening who want to bring more of a sense of adventure to their retirement. Nike did it well with their slogan, just do it. Don't, don't ever get to the point where you figure you're too old, you're too poor, you're too tired, you're too anything. We've got a lot of living to do. Once you hit your 60s, it's not like, okay, I've got five more years left and it's time to go. We've got a lot of living to do, a lot to contribute and to live life through the eyes of life is an adventure and there's still so much for me to do. I may have to do it differently. I may need to do it a little bit slower, but there's so much to do, whether it's in your own community where you live or traveling abroad, but just don't get to the point 
where you figure that's it. That's all there is to life. Like ask questions, be curious, like never stop being curious, never stop asking questions and just be open to embrace whatever comes along. And instead of saying, no, it won't work, consider thinking, okay, well, what if we change this or what if we change that and just live life? Thanks so much for joining us. Very, very helpful perspective. And I appreciate you sharing the experiences of your trip. One last question, if we could, what's next for you in terms of your next adventure, your next travel? Well, I am actually, right now I'm a business professor and I am finishing my business professorship in just about three weeks, the end of December. And I'm going back into doing my own business again of coaching and consulting in the area of leadership and all the complexities. So we are starting off the adventure by heading back to Portugal for a month and to just kind of end this stage and move into the next stage. I kind of joke around a little bit about young people between high school and university, they take a gap year. I figure, why not take a gap year? So it's not a year, a gap month, just to transition and just to have that freedom to work wherever I want to work, when I want to work, how I want to work. And I'm pretty excited about it. Best wishes on this next adventure. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate that. So let's close with a few takeaways from today's conversation. Number one, what are the possibilities for your retirement years? Step back and do what Roberta advises. Ask a few questions about the possibilities. What if you were to do A, B, or C? What if you were to continue working part-time remotely? What if you were to take on a project that you've always wanted to do but never had the time? Don't just drift into your default option for retirement without taking time to explore what's possible. Number two, what if you bring a sense of adventure to your retirement years? Now, there's a word, adventure, that we often don't hear paired with retirement, but perhaps it's time we should. So what adventures would be exciting to you as you look forward? Take some time to map those out and look at the possibilities. And she recommended, be curious. Number three, what about a gap year? This came up at the very end of our conversation. In her case, she's taking a gap month. Great idea to mark the transition from one stage to the other. But the concept of a gap year is a great one to think about, too. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll include a link to a post I wrote many years ago about this idea of what about a gap year? Thanks for listening to the Retirement Wisdom Podcast. There are indeed a great deal of possibilities for your future. Take time to explore them. You can browse all of our episodes over six seasons at our website, retirementwisdom.com. We've spoken to a lot of great guests who have excellent advice that can help you explore and create your new future.